Good morning, afternoon, and evening, and welcome to the 8311Cast, your premier Midwestern-based sports podcast, bringing you all things sports to your beautiful ears. Join your hosts, Kyle Mersch, Mike Ludwig, Ariane Berry, and Wyatt Teeter as we talk about college football, the MLB, the NFL, and of course, our signature segments, Mike Stupid Rules and Write That Down Predictions, here on episode 243. As we reach the championship series in the MLB... The 354 combined wins by the final four teams is the fewest ever in MLB playoff history. Uh, And since we are a podcast that uh, doesn't blatantly steal other content from people, credit to Jeff Passan for that uh, fun fact for us. That is interesting, but I mean, it's something that probably is going to... It was a record that was waiting to get broken the more and more teams they add to the playoffs, right? It just creates more teams with worse records in the playoffs. And potentially, right, the by extending the series, you give you give the better teams teams a better opportunity to not just have one fluke game, but then by the same margin, you give those teams with a worse record who get hot at the right time the chance to win in a, in a best of three series for the wild card rather than just one game. So, for sure. You can't get steamrolled by a Madison Bumgarner in game one of the wild card and then not have another chance. So true. Yeah, there you have it. We'll talk about the MLB more in a little bit, but we are, I would assume, all drinking the Kool-Aid for this Cyclone football team right now. Mike, do you want to take it away and and talk about the matchup versus Cincinnati this week? Yeah, I mean, like... We just flat out dominated Cincinnati. Like, I'll just say it. Um, Cincinnati um, took a 7-3 lead um, at near the end of the first quarter, and the Cyclones scored the next, what will that be, the next 16 points, 10, 14, seven, the next 17 points, um, and ended up winning that game 30-10, to 10. Um, just dominating Cincinnati. We looked really, really good in realistically in all phases of the game. Rocco Beck was efficient, um, threw for 241 yards and two touchdowns. Um, the running game, again, was not great. 38 rushes for 123 yards. That's still only 3.2 yards per rush. I will say, chiming in there, credit to Cincinnati's defense. I do believe Cincinnati had a fairly decent rush defense, and they did have a big guy in the center who they were highlighting all game long. Uh, on the broadcast on FS1. So I I don't know if that was much of an artifact of, you know, we were up against a much better pass or rush defense, run defense, um, or if it was just an artifact of we weren't blocking the same as we did against TCU. So, Yeah, but we were able to actually get some decently long runs. I mean, we got uh, longs of 13, 20, 12 um, from some of our running backs. So um, it was good to see us find some holes in the running game, though they weren't always there. Um, It was nice to see some holes um, to get some bigger gains. Um, The defense, again, showed out, um, held the opponent to 10 points, had two interceptions, TJ Tampa and Jeremiah Cooper with the interceptions, held Cincinnati to 99 yards passing on the game total. 99 yards passing, only let him convert three third downs the entire game. Like I said, the two turnovers 
Um, also held him to three and a half yards per rush on the ground. Just a really, really good day by the defense. With this team, if the offense can score some points, the defense is generally going to hold teams low enough is, is what it looks like. And I mean, I'd be also be doing him a disservice if I didn't point out the performance of Jaden Higgins. 172 yards um, on six receptions. Yeah, Six receptions, an average of 28.7. Uh, he did win, or whatever, Iowa State gives out a player of the game. He was player of the game for that performance, deservedly so. I believe he was like 70, 70 some odd yards away from the uh, school record, which would have been exciting to to beat. But he had, I would say, maybe a potential breakout game, and he might be that next Iowa State receiver that we talk about as being the go-to guy for this offense. And he's just, uh, he is just a junior too, so he will be back next year in all likelihood. Um, which bodes well for the future. Yeah, this game was almost so good that it was boring. Like, they just executed so well in pretty much every aspect that you can't really complain about anything. Like, yeah, the the rush game wasn't great, but we outgained a team that is known for their rushing attack, 123 to 115. Cincinnati is a very good rushing team, and they didn't have that great of luck against us, so... Happy about that. Anytime you can hold a modern team to under 100 yards passing, that's pretty incredible. Uh, shout out to Jalen Noel as well. He didn't have the best receiving game, but he had some electric kickoff returns. I think he returned one for like 75 yards. So definitely mm-hmm. exciting. And then Rocco Beck has just continued to just be a guy that I just, you don't have a lot to say about him, right? Like 15 to 25 for 241 yards and two touchdowns. It's okay. But he didn't have any turnovers. He got it done. He made good, tri- you know, good decisions. We three saw him three, use his legs more than on fourth down. Yeah, we yes. saw him use his legs more than we've seen in any other game. He is game managing in a way that that's all we need. This defense is really good. So even though I can't come out and proclaim that he's the best quarterback in the Big Twelve and he's doing great things, he's doing exactly what we need him to do. We won the time of possession battle, thirty, basically thirty-four to twenty-six. Like that's what we want to see. And if he can keep doing that, that's perfect. That is what I wanted to highlight is the time of possession. In order for this defense to operate as efficiently as they are and be fresh, all this offense needs to do is maintain time of possession of the football. Get yourself in third and manageable and convert on fourth downs if you need to, uh, which is what this team did today. I will... I would like to see the 5 of 15 on third down efficiency increase, but what I like to see was on those third downs, if it was third and long, and we were in a situation in which there was an opportunity to go for it on fourth down, we weren't trying to bite off nine yards on a third and eight. We were biting off six yards. It was a like five-yard throw with one yard falling forward um, to get ourselves in that fourth and very manageable. I will say the one turning point in what felt like in this game was the uh, fake field cold yeah, that was that? supremely executed by Iowa State. Normally, we are not talking about special teams as being a strong suit for this uh, Cyclone football program. But in this instance, special teams was phenomenal. And that drive ended in a 15-play drive that took like eight minutes off the clock, but only went 55 yards. That is unheard of. There is efficiency on offense executing when it mattered uh getting penalties on our side 
Bronco Beck got later in the game, got uh, Cincinnati to jump off sides on a fourth down in which we were just trying to uh, have like a long, a hard count on that. I say we, we were just trying to go down to the end of the third quarter. That, I think that couldn't have been more obvious. I don't know how he got him so bad on that little clap hard count, but he came out firing and he was super excited about that, which meant to me personally, we weren't even trying for that, but that was, you know, extra icing on top of the cake. So there were a lot of things that we did really well. Uh, Bremer, though, I will say our tight end, man, go up with two hands and catch that ball. That is a touchdown he, in the first quarter. He a little bit. He, he did. He did. That was a touchdown in the first quarter, though. It, just, a little unfortunate. You don't have to be all, all razzle-dazzle with the one hand. You did everything but secure it. Uh, so... Just go up with two hands next time. And that's the stuff like those are the little things that, you know, we can nitpick. But one other uh, thing that I really want to like bring to note is, man, that Ohio loss sucked. Oh, it does. It's but, 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 but listen, hear me out. Was that what this team needed throughout the rest of the season? And here's my like thinking on this. You know, we we're at kind of a turning point offensively at that point. We didn't really know what our identity was. And oftentimes coordinators and coaches will kind of stick it out, see how it goes and then make the adjustments in the off season. This offense has evolved since week three of the season into what it is now. And we are looking at a much different product on the field than what we saw in the first three weeks of the season. And I think, you know, that Ohio loss, man, we could be, a five and one team right now instead of four and two. But I think that that five made us a sorry, five and two. We're four and three. Right. Sorry. Thank you on that. Uh, rather than, you know, having that be a victory and us still stumbling through the rest of our games before we fixed our offensive identity, I think this has potentially made us a better football team for the rest of the season as we look forward. So interested to see anybody else's thoughts on that. I, I think the perception of this team would be so different if we had won that game. We would have only lost to Iowa, which you hate it, but it happens basically all the time. And then you lose to a top five team in, at Ohio or Oklahoma. Like, I think the hype would be very, very high. <laughs> you very well may be a top 25 team right now had you beaten Ohio. Yeah, it's potential. But, like, you probably wouldn't be because there aren't that many two loss teams that are in the top 25 and those two loss teams are overvalued uh our system is corrupt but we can talk about that another day (laughs) you'd be you'd be in the conversation for sure um but now you're not even receiving votes yeah well teams like kansas west virginia and oklahoma state who you beat by the way are receiving votes yeah, I was like, I, w- what point were you actually getting at, Mike? Because you said we were going to be a ranked team, but I think my point was, yeah, it would have been nice to have gotten that, but would we have beaten Oklahoma State? Would we have beaten TCU had we not had such an egregious loss in my mind that forced us to revolutionize the offense that we were running schematically? I don't, I don't think it can be overstated either. We haven't really... We didn't talk about it because you can't talk about something that doesn't exist, basically. Um, but the fact that we had, what, 
three, five projected starters that just disappeared from the team because they were idiots and could not bet on something. Uh, you know, we have a quarterback that we thought was going to start. We have a running back that thought was going to start. Like we, Jake Remsburg just came back. We didn't have him for the first six games. Uh, like that's a lot of change on an offense that we already had a first year offensive coordinator for. So a better like, in tight end as well. Yeah. Yeah. So you can kind of understand how there might be some growing pains there. I mean, there's no excuses for it. It is what it is. But I think we've seen a little bit of change and a little bit of adaptation, and they're a little more comfortable in their skin. And we can hope and pray and keep our fingers crossed that maybe we have a good offensive coordinator. That would be fantastic. Um, But it definitely looks much better than it did those first three games. Since we've entered conference play, this offense has basically been an entire different animal than it was in those first three games. Yeah, it really has. And where I was going with my rankings point is, yes, it kind of sucks to not be ranked, but you're three and one. You're all alone in second place in the conference. Now, some of that is because you're one of the few teams who have played four games already, but you're all alone in second place for now. You've got this all in front of you, right? You've already played the best team in the conference, Oklahoma. You do still have to play Texas, but you get them at home. But if you look at this upcoming schedule, it's a great schedule. It's a great schedule. You've got at Baylor. Baylor is awful this year. You should definitely be able to win that game. Kansas at home for homecoming will be a, be a good game. Kansas is a good team. You hope you can win that at home. You're at BYU. Despite the record, I think BYU is a pretty bad team too. That's a game. Well, so it's worth noting that TCU that Iowa just Iowa State just had dismantled uh, their backup quarterback who we intercepted a couple of times went out and put up massive numbers and TCU won like in the 50s to like 20 something against BYU. Yeah. And and the point on Baylor, the Cincinnati team we just killed is favored against Baylor next week. So only by a point, but still now and then it. So there's there's a realistic possibility. It's not a fairy tale to think that this team might be six and one in conference when Texas comes to town. Mm -hmm. That would be a huge game if that was the case. Now, let me throw the smallest amount of cold water on this. We're, We're all excited and we perform well and you can't deny that. However, before the season, when we were expecting this team to not be very good, I believe all four of us picked us to beat this team. This is not some magical victory, despite what the odds were before this game. When the season started, we thought this team was better than Cincinnati, and they are. That's fair. So I'm excited. I'm glad that we won, but it's not like some world beater kind of game. Uh, But I do think this team is better than at least I expected it to be. You know, I'm more of a doomer like that. But looking at, you know, the FPI, Iowa State is favored in three of their last five games. Baylor, yeah. Kansas, Iowa State, all favored. And then Texas is, and uh, Kansas State, they don't love us in, but that is better than I would have expected and could have hoped for. Yeah. This team, they've got four wins now and two very winnable games still in Baylor and BYU. I'm going to go out on a limb and this te- say this team should go to a ball game this year. It kind of seems like they will. Fingers crossed. It it. It's almost gotten to the point where I will be disappointed if they don't. I won't say that yet, but it's almost to that point. Yeah, it'll be a tough tough rest of the season if we only get one more win. We've seen it before. We we have not. Yeah, we have definitely 
seen that saga play out many a time, but I don't know. And at this point, I saw some uh, people talking about this. Is Matt Campbell, you know, front runner for Big 12 Coach of the Year? Potentially. I would say he has a good shot at that. But for all of the people, I will say, who are like saying Campbell is on the hot seat, yeah, you guys were a little too quick to pull that trigger. There was too much turnover on this team. And my rant after the Ohio game or whatever game that was about accountability, I hope someone heard that because I feel like these coaches have been holding themselves accountable this season to their early season flaws. And that is a great thing to see. Is this team going to go to the Big 12 championship game? I think all Cyclone fans could potentially hold off on, you know, saving up some money for those tickets. I don't know if we're there quite yet. Uh, that Yeah, I wouldn't. Yeah, no. But, but the, there is hope for this team. There is still hope for the future. But this season in which there was a lot of darkness surrounding it has become something to cherish and enjoy. So just enjoy watching this season. Whatever happens, happens. We're already like playing with house money, as as the saying goes at this point, I would say. Well, next season could be a really exciting year, but just enjoy the season going forward. Super exciting. You don't have to get your blood pressure medication out this weekend as we're on bye. Everybody take a chill pill, relax, watch some other games, uh, and get ready for Baylor the week after. It should be an interesting game. I'm definitely looking forward to uh, homecoming. We'll all be there. We're going to see that KU game. It'll be the uh, behemoth of the Iowa State offense versus the gargantuan, non-existent KU defense. So that'll be fun. They have, I was looking at that matchup. They allow almost 400 yards a game. So that oh, is crazy to me. That's exciting. Yeah, that should be a fun game to see live. Points, 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 baby. So, yeah, that's what we got for Cyclones. Like I said, on by next week, but uh, we'll uh, preview Baylor in next week's episode. The other big thing that's happening in sports this week was the MLB Division Series. The way the Division Series wrapped up, um, we had a couple of sweeps. The first one was the Rangers sweeping the Orioles, and they just slugged them to death. I mean, yeah. The Orioles never really looked like they stood a chance. They squandered some opportunities at the end of game one last Saturday. And that was their best chance to uh, to win a game that they had um, the entire series. Because uh, in game two, they got beat 11-8 to eight and 7-1 to one in game three in getting swept. In the other American League series, the Astros won that series three games to one over the Twins. The Twins did manage to split in Houston, but then got absolutely destroyed in uh, in game one or game three in Minnesota, nine to one, before um, Houston just outlasted Minnesota in game four, three to two. Minnesota just didn't really have this offense the entire playoffs. Even in the wild card round that they won, they only scored five runs total in two games. The Twins scored more than four runs once in the entire playoffs and more than two runs only three times in seven games or six games in the playoffs. Um, you just need a little bit more offense in the postseason if you're going to go um, further for the Twins. Over in the National League, the Diamondbacks swept the Dodgers. Um, they won game one 11 to two and then had four two wins in games two and three. 
um, a team that uh, was more than 10 games worse than the Dodgers um, overall in the season, swept them in three games in October when it counts. They're a team that got hot at the right time and did what they needed to do, pitched well, hit just good enough, and outlast, outlasted the Dodgers. Well, and so one thing about that series is for an organization that used to have a wealth of starting pitching, they had a lack of it. Um, the Dodgers threw Lance Lynn in game three. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, that's, well, that's who they traded for, uh, but they had to. Uh, Walker Bueller hurt. Uh, they let Trevor Bauer go a while ago, a couple seasons ago, after that whole investigation is finally wrapped up. Uh, they lost Julio Urias, I believe, um, for the season, during the season. So this team got thin quickly, uh, and it just showed. I mean, Clayton Kershaw is a is a fine like fourth or you know third, fourth, fifth uh, starter, but he is not your number one starter anymore. Uh, as you don't know what you get out of him, uh, as they saw in Game One against the D-backs. So the D-backs had great pitching. They were great situationally in that series. And I believe Mookie Betts and Freddie Freeman, I saw a graphic, were like two or three for something in that series. Just very limited offense from their two stars uh, in that lineup. So it was a perfect storm uh, for the Dodgers to have a disappearing act in the DS. Tough time to, uh, to fall apart and not be good. And then in the last NLDS was really the Bryce Harper series. Um, had a great set of games for the Don't you love movie. that, Mike? <laughs> oh, I know. I just love Bryce Harper. I mean, he's a great player. I will give him that. But no, I do not like. I think half of the reason people don't like Bryce Harper is just because he has a face. It's just so easy to dislike. He just looks unpleasant. Who was who is the reliever for the Giants who really disliked his face? Uh, I forget his name. They had a massive brawl. That was infamous. <laughs> so. That really didn't help me in my storytelling. Hunter there. Strickland? I'm really good at that. Yes, Hunter Strickland. Mike got it. I, was I say, got has, it. Has Harper really done anything too terrible in the you know the recent years? He was kind of a jerk when he was younger. He he still does tend to be near the uh, MLB leaders for ejections of a player in any given year. So he's definitely still a hothead. Yeah. So managers obviously get ejected more than players. He doesn't compete with like Aaron Boone as far as manager ejections. Um, but rejections by a player, he's usually at or near the top at any given year, along with players like Joey Votto and the like, and Brett Gardner when he was still playing. Um, but yes, the Bryce, Bryce Harper did dominate that series in a 3-1 Phillies win over the Braves. It means the top two seeds in the National League are both out. You've got three-seed Philadelphia and six-seed Arizona. In the NLDS, that series starts on Monday, um, game one on Monday. And that leaves an all-Texas ALCS, Houston at Texas. Uh, game one is actually live right now as we're recording on Sunday. And then we go from there. Isn't this seven years in a row of us having to watch Houston in this this is the seventh. This is the seventh year of Houston in the ALCS. You are correct. I will say the only unfortunate thing, and we talked about this earlier, uh, 
with the ALCS is we do not get a Max Scherzer, Justin Verlander game one. Former teammates on the Mets earlier this season prized off season additions that cost millions of dollars that the Mets are still paying for. Uh, we don't get that in this series. So that is unfortunate. That is tough, but that's the way it is. We'll go from there. Um, I will just note quick before we go into our NFL segment, the NHL is underway. So uh, take a look at that. If you are a hockey fan, uh, we're a little under a week into the season. So keep an eye on that as well. And the NBA, Arion, is close on its heels? It's real close. I think we're less than two weeks away now. But uh, yeah, I know Connor Bedard is the big season in the NHL. He's the, he's the big story in the NHL this year, right? He's like the guy everybody's yeah, number, excited number to see. Yeah, number one overall pick from Chicago. Yeah. Scored his goal in his first goal in his second game. So that'll be interesting if you're into the sport. He's the guy to watch uh, for the NBA this year. It's obviously Victor Wembanyama. I'm excited for you guys to get to watch him play this year because it is it's something I've never seen anybody like that before. But we'll we'll get into that once it starts for sure. And. Just real quick on the NBA, I saw something that I wasn't sure was true. Did LeBron get a two-year deal again? So he's playing another two years? I don't know. I didn't hear anything about that. Oh, okay. I'll have to look into that more. I just saw a brief like snippet of it and didn't look into it. So yeah, got to fact check myself. We can talk about that more next week since we won't have a Cyclone game to talk about. True. We can get a little, little preview presser going on. Mm-hmm. Well, and with that, uh, as we wrap up that little side segment, moving on from the MLB as well, we roll into the NFL and what has happened uh, this week. Um, The final London game occurred uh, in the early morning as Baltimore uh, was able to hold off uh, Tennessee in that game. Lamar Jackson was able to... Um, have a couple of receivers catch passes in this game. So that was exciting for Baltimore. Uh, as Ryan Tannehill did get hurt, that was the um, other side of the story for the Tennessee Titans uh, as well. So if you are in a league in which you have to play Ryan Tannehill, you're looking at waivers this week. Going forward, uh, we had two remaining undefeated teams uh, in the NFL this season. So, and today marked the end of that as well uh so in the in the one o'clock eastern time uh noon central hour uh the san francisco 49ers arguably the best team in the nfl going into this game went to cleveland who man cleveland's got a really good defense which i hadn't really been paying much attention to uh deshaun watson out again uh in this game Brock Purdy did not look great for most of this game. Christian McCaffrey did leave early with injuries. So did Debo Samuel as the injury bug is starting to bite the San Francisco 49ers. Although Brock Purdy did what he needed to do at the end of the game, getting his special teams into position for a game winning field goal as the rookie kicker pushed it far right in that. So Cleveland was able to knock off the San Francisco 49ers. You got to feel a little bad for that kicker. He had been perfect the entire year and he missed two kicks today for them to lose that game. Tough game to miss him, uh, yeah. for sure. Happens uh, to everybody, though. Right. 
that's that is it that's that's the kicking world uh and then in the late window Brees hall goes ahead and scores the game winning touchdown as the new york jets are able to knock off the previously undefeated philadelphia eagles uh jalen hurts threw three interceptions in this game uh having thrown for one touchdown and rushed for one as well but did not have a great game uh in seeing the field uh as the jets defense if they had a competent quarterback on the other side, this team could be really good. That was the plan. That was the plan. Uh, until four snaps into the game, uh, Aaron Rodgers was taken from that plan. But the Jets are kind of treading water so far. Do they need to be on the quarterback market? I don't know. They're still winning games. So that's yet to be seen. But that defense is causing fits for great quarterbacks, such as Mahomes. Skipping Russell Wilson, uh, <laughs> Jalen Hurts, uh, they, that, and they caused trouble for Josh Allen first game of the season as well. So this defense really has something special to it. Uh, it's unfortunate that you know they don't have the quarterback to to go behind that. But Brees Hall still is a star on that offense and is playing really well uh, and at a high level for them. So that's really good to see. Uh, the Thursday night game, the Kansas City Chiefs. Uh, had trouble finding the end zone, uh, but Harrison Bucker has been absolutely phenomenal for this team all season long. Uh, he nailed a 60-yarder in that game that looked like it was probably good from 64-65, so easy. Uh, and the Denver Broncos, again, just sort of looked abysmal until Cortland Sutton had a really great catch in the end zone uh, in the third or fourth quarter of that game. But the Chiefs defense still is obviously the story uh, line for this this team going forward this season. Fewest points in a season at to this point in Mahomes' career, uh, which is very fortunate for an offense that has scored the least amount of points uh, in the season to start his career uh, as well. So, But also, I believe these are the best defensive numbers he's ever had through this point. So, in a season. Right. No, uh, it, he has usually had to outpace the defense. Uh, it, going back to his, you know, throwback to his days at Texas Tech when he always had to just go out there and say, I just need to score more points than the other team is going to score. So... That was he knew his defense wasn't going to give him much, but this defense this year has been really, really good, locking down uh, number one receivers on the other side of the field as well. So it's a really exciting thing, especially if the offense can get going. Yeah, and that's what we have. So, Mike, I, I do just want to highlight this because I saw this breaking news, I believe, yesterday. So we had discussed Kirk Cousins having a no-trade clause in his contract, right? It sounds like he is not going to waive that this season, indicating he wants to stay with Minnesota. Uh, with a windy day over Chicago, it was there hope that that wouldn't have been a win? Like, are we hoping that we're just, you know, playing bad football so that we have a really high draft pick? Draft choices going forward? You know, what's what's the vibe in Minneapolis now that we don't have baseball to watch or Justin Jefferson or Justin Jefferson? I was definitely caught in between um, the two of wanting um, a win and a loss in that game. Um, Boy, the way they won it didn't give you much confidence. I will say that they ended up winning what by six? Uh, when they the Bears had their fourth string yeah. running back for the whole game, their backup their backup quarterback for most of the second half, 
you actually won the turnover battle uh, three to one, I think, in this game. So you can't blame turnovers. And you still only barely beat the Bears. Um, that doesn't give a lot of confidence with the 49ers coming to town next week, even though the Niners also didn't look great today um, and even lost. But, um, yeah, I mean, you're happy to win, I guess. I mean, sure, a loss would have put you for a better draft pick, but I don't know. I don't know. Two losses is still oh, – two wins would still be enough to get a top five pick if that's what um, if that's what happened. So I'm fine winning it. See what happens over the next three weeks. And then you can make your tank, no tank decision. That's where I'm at. I think, I think the 49ers loss is going to be a little bit overblown because, you know, oh, they had their backup quarterback, then PJ Walker. He's not really an NFL caliber quarterback, but I don't have the stats in front of me. But if you looked at the list of things that the Browns defense is top three in, uh, it's like all of them. You can't run on them. You can't throw on them. The offense was never really what this team was going to be about. The Browns defense is legit. And, you know, you had injuries to the 49ers, and it was a close game, and the kicker missed two kicks that he would normally make. I don't think that's a huge deal. Uh, but if you had a parlay on uh, the Jets and the Browns winning this weekend, congrats to you because you made a lot of money. Yeah, that's that's for sure. I We can't over overstate, you know, the the – loss that the 49ers had to the Browns. Um, I mean, looking back a couple of years ago when the Chiefs won their first Super Bowl, they lost to a very bad Colts team that season. Every team has their their stumbles, and it's what you do to learn from those, rebound from them, and, and push forward. The 49ers are still in a really good spot uh, to, to get the number one overall seed in the NFC. So uh, nothing is lost uh, from this week. By any Except means. for the chance for uh, Brock Purdy to hit that record for most consecutive wins to start a career, which we talked about a couple weeks ago on here. So he's going to have to stick with, I think, second place there. Big Ben will keep that record. I wish Brock Purdy could have been able to beat that. Yeah, that would have been sweet. That's that's what we got in the NFL this week. Uh, it will continue to keep you updated as things evolve. Also, for all of our listeners if you have justin jefferson on your fantasy team four to six weeks uh is what they're looking at for his timetable to potentially return so uh some big news on the injury side of things so with that mike i we always need more education uh as it pertains to rules what do you have for us this week specifically from the cyclone football game yeah, I was not watching the game at this point, but I heard there was a kickoff that was bouncing around um, right near the pylon. So I just want to go through all the different scenarios that could happen to this ball um, and talk through what each of them um, would happen. Um, the first one is that the ball is just picked up by a returner in the field of play. Then you go and it's live and you play out the play. I think that one's the most straightforward. We'll go from most straightforward to least straightforward here. Next most straightforward is the ball bounces into the end zone normally. That's just a touchback. You see that um, fairly regularly too. Now we get into the interesting one. The ball bounces out of bounds. That is a flag penalty for um, illegal kickoff out of bounds. I believe in college that's a ball placed on the 40-yard line. Is that correct, Wyatt? 35. You have a couple options. You can take it there. You can take it five yards from the inbound spot, or you can do a five-yard penalty and re-kick. 
I think on the sure. broadcast they were saying that it would be at 35 instead of the 25, but I could be wrong. It would be the 35. Maybe, maybe it's a 35 in college, yeah. Can you look that up as I finish here, Wyatt? Yep. Cool, cool. I figure you're the only one besides me with the rule book bookmarked, so I figure you're the best option there. So the other two options are the ones that are interesting. Let's say the first player to touch the ball is standing out of bounds when he touches the ball. That is a kickoff out of bounds, same as if um, the ball bounces out of bounds itself. As long as the first time it is touched, the player is standing out of bounds. It has to be the first touch of the ball. Um, that's a kick out of bounds placed on, um, and then most of the time, again, it would be placed on the 35 or 40 yard line, whatever Wyatt finds here. And then the fifth scenario, and this is the one that actually happened in the Cyclones game, is that right? Is that the ball actually hits the pylon? Yes, it's bouncing around inside the one yard line and is about to go out of bounds, but hits the pylon first before going out of bounds. I've never actually seen this happen before it happened in that Cyclones game. Um, so you've got that. But um, what happens in that case is um, then think about it. What happens if a player is diving for the end zone on offense and they reach out the ball and it hits the pylon? What happens? Touchdown. Right. It's a touchdown, right? The pylon is part, is is part of the inbounds plane of the end zone. Um, according to the rules. So that's treated just as if the ball would have bounced into the end zone, which would be a touchback. The pylon is part of the plane. Any kickoff that breaks the plane of the end zone and bounces there is um, is a touchback. Pretty simple. So there you go. That is all the things that can happen on an interesting kickoff bouncing near the uh, near the corner of the end zone goal line area. Do note that you can only fair catch a ball if you catch it in the air. So a fair catch is not an option, presuming the ball has already bounced. So that takes away the last option there. Were you able to find if it's a 35 or the 40, Wyatt, before we move I on? did. So so like I said, that there's three options that the offended team can take. They can do the five yards from the previous spot and then re-kick, five yards from the inbound spot, or 30 yards from the kicking team's restraining line. And since that restraining line is at the 35-yard line, um, 30 yards beyond that would be the 35 on the opposite side. Gotcha. Cool. And I guess I say that because technically, if let's say something weird happens on a touchdown play, there is unsportsmanlike after the play on the scoring team, I guess. Uh, that's this is a bad example. But we could move the restraining line back, as I'm trying to get at, due to a or penalty. For- or forward. Or forward, exactly. So 30 yards from that restraining line might mean you take the ball to 25 on a kickoff out of bounds or potentially at the 45 or something like that. Or the 50. Or the 50. All, all depends on, on what goes on. That would be a terrible scenario. You get penalized on the kickoff, your restraining line gets moved back 15 yards, and then you do a kickoff out of bounds. That would be mm-hmm. terrible. Giving the ball at midfield, that's not great. Exactly. Anyway, awesome. Thank you for um, clarifying that last bit of the rule. Any other questions? No, that cleared it up. I was very confused when I saw it live. I was not sure what was happening. For sure. That can be a confusing play. I totally see that. Hearing no other questions, we will move right along to our Write That Down prediction segment, starting with our accountability session. Um, Four predictions coming off the board this week. 
first room Kyle predicted back during the regular season that the Orioles would win a playoff series. Getting swept out by Texas did not uh, result in a playoff series win, so you get a meh. Meh. Ariane, you predicted the Twins would win this series um, for the being the Astros series because this prediction was made last week, which they did not, so I, you get a meh. I drank the Kool-Aid and predicted that the Twins would win the World Series, which obviously they did not do, so I get a nah. Kyle, you did redeem us on the week by saying that the Cyclones would beat the Bearcats, which they did, so you get a ding-ding-ding. That is it for our accountability session this week. Ariane, you want to start us by getting something back up on the board? Yeah, Um. so my first project prediction, excuse me, uh, like I said, I don't think you should overreact to the 49ers losing. I still think they're probably the best team in the NFL. But I'm also going to go ahead and run counter to myself here and say that uh, I think the 49ers are going to lose two of their next four games. So looking at What's that, the schedule? Yeah. I was going to say, you might wonder, who do they play? You have at the Vikings. Spoiler alert, that's not one of the ones I think they're going to lose. Um, <laughs> <laughs> versus the Bengals at the Jaguars, and versus the Buccaneers. Those are There's their next two tough game. Those are two tough games, and yeah. I will say. I think the versus Bengals Jaguars. at Jaguars are both hard games, and surprisingly, versus Buccaneers, I don't think that is a, that's not a right-home win either. Yeah. Yeah, just ask Philadelphia about it. They had a yeah. few troubles with them. I don't even know. Did so, they win this week? Uh, no, they didn't. They lost 20-3, to three, I believe, to the Lions. Oof. 20 to 6 to the Lions. But the oh, Lions are okay. legit this year. They've looked really good. Minus a weird game against Seattle. Sorry. I just had to put that in there. And a weird game against Kansas City, too. Yeah, but they won that. True. But anyway, FPI gives the 49ers a 75% chance to beat the Bengals, a 65% chance to beat the Chiefs, a 82% chance to beat the Bucks. And a 71% chance to beat the Vikings. This is probably just a single. Is this exactly two or at least two? Not that that might matter. Exactly but two. Exactly two. Did we say the, the Chiefs? Yeah, I was saying what? What do we know? Hello? Vikings, were Bengals, Jags, and Bucks? Sorry, what? What were the two? You said the out? Chiefs. Yeah, you said the Chiefs in and there. The Bills? Sorry. Sorry. Were right, you I'll looking at over. the right game? Yeah, so start over. They have a. 71% chance to beat the Vikings. Okay. A 75% chance to beat the Bengals. Seems a little high. A 65% chance to beat the Jaguars. Okay. And a 82% chance to beat the Buccaneers. Right. So this sounds wow, like a single to me. Uh, that averages out to about a 39.975% chance. I thought that would be more of a hot take. Uh, the, the stats seem to back me up here, though. Yeah. Well, no, not. What am I saying? This is a single. No, this is like a triple. I was gonna say single for thirty thirty four percent. Wild. Oh, yeah. actually, that's that's to win them all. I'm sorry, I'm not doing the math to do exactly two of four. To be honest, so. Yeah. No. 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 This is like a triple. Why did I say single? I am not thinking straight. A triple aligns more with what I was thinking. I I would yes, give it that. This is like triple. Uh, triple work. Yeah. That's that's fine with me. Those stats seem weird. It, I feel like it gives I them agree. a Those are much really higher high. like home field advantage than they really should. I mean, I'm of the opinion that home field in the NFL doesn't 
really matter as much anymore. I think uh, this is the worst record that home teams have had through five weeks in NFL history, actually, this year. So you have and some numbers that backs on your side me up. there. Uh, unless you're the San Francisco 49ers playing the Rams in L.A., uh, <laughs> it's always a home game. So Home field advantage is just any team that plays in L.A. that isn't the L.A. team. So you're doing all right there. All right, triple it is. What do you got for your second it. one? So I was inspired while we were recording this episode. I went ahead and slapped the second one down because you said I wouldn't count on anybody to buy tickets to the Big 12 championship. So I'm going to say Iowa State goes to the Big 12 championship. Let's do it. Did Let's you go. also submit submit your purchase request for your tickets? To I will game not do too? that. I haven't right. been when I didn't go when they did go. So, <laughs> but I'm going to uh, I'm going to hype them up here. I this still is think a this is run. a home run. Yeah. 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 That's fair. I also think that because the prediction that I had written down and deleted was Iowa State still finishes in the bottom of the Big 12. So <laughs> I didn't put my whole heart into this one. Fair enough. For me, I'm just making one prediction as per usual, and I've got to pick a new team to root for here in the baseball playoffs. So I'm going to predict that the Diamondbacks win the World Series. Have they suffered the most? Is that why you picked them? Well, I certainly can't pick the Astros or yeah. the Phillies. Um. So that leaves just the Rangers or the Diamondbacks, and I decided to pick the Diamondbacks because why not? I guess I don't know who is the last to win the World Series between the Diamondbacks and the Rangers. Um, the Diamondbacks won like an 0-3 or something, I feel like. Um, anyway, um, Fangraphs gives the Diamondbacks a 16.8% chance to win the World Series. 16.8. Is that the best uh, or uh, like Worst I odds? Like, who has the, the best odds? odds? Sounds like the worst. Astros and, Astros and the Phillies? Best odds. Astros, 32%. Rangers, 18%. Phillies, 31%. And then 16 for the Diamondbacks. So Triple. they have the worst odds. That's what I think. Triple. That's fine. I will take the triple. Do you anything from Josh this week? Is he still alive? Yes, Josh is still alive. He, uh... Is taking the Packers off week to watch some other football on the league, and he is liking what he's seeing in Aaron Rodgers' recovery. He's saying he's going to be back in the regular season. Home run. I don't believe that. I, I agree. Home run. There's no way. He's already walking in a shoe without crutches. There's a long he's not gonna be on the field. distance for torn... walking and playing football. Yeah, torn Achilles. There's no way. Right. What's the average recovery time from a torn Achilles? It can't be like nine weeks. I don't think if that happens. I don't think if they get well, into the playoffs hey, and if he plays, don't if win he a game, plays I don't week, think they get if, in. If he plays week 18, that's, you know, that's already 16 weeks of recovery post his surgery. Sure. I, th- I think if they played in the wild card game, I don't think he would be ready to go. I think they would need a deep, pre- a deep postseason run for him to see the field. For me, it's a it's a home run, but you know we're all allowed to have our own opinion. I'm saying triple. When when did he injure it? That would have been week one, like week beginning one. of yeah. When was that? The beginning like the of September. First weekend game. Second weekend in September. Yeah. I mean, that's got to be at least a six month recovery, right? I I don't think he goes back. I'm gonna say home run. I agree with Ariane. I was also thinking home run. Yes. This says an Achilles tendon repair patient can expect three to four weeks of immobilization slash non-weight bearing. It's generally six to nine months before you return to activities such as running or jumping. Let alone 
football, yeah, I guess. Shout out to Google. So who knows how accurate that is? I just Googled it. I mean, keep in mind, he also has the most state-of-the-art facilities and yeah. medical professionals at his whim. But uh, to your point, Kyle, football is more intense than just walking or running. So yeah, I, I'm getting hit by Aaron Donald is a scarier thing than jumping up and down. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> probably. So home run. Yes. I will go ahead and predict that the Cyclones will go to a bowl game south of Memphis. I think I've made this one, what, the past couple of years? So they're not going to Memphis. Why not? They could. That's a Big 12 SEC bowl this yeah, year. Yeah, why it? would they not go to Memphis? I, that, no, what I'm saying is, like, basically, you are predicting a bowl that is yeah, not well, the Liberty Bowl. Basically, exactly. That we're going to a bowl game is kind of the, the main meat of the prediction, but also it's not the Liberty Bowl. With the conference realignment, did the conference get any new bowl tie-ins? Let me check that quick. Because it used to yeah, be that Memphis question, was the actually. only one. It used to be that Memphis was the only. There were no bowl games south of Memphis besides Memphis with Big 12 tie-ins. Let's see here. Uh, so just Liberty Bowl in Memphis. While you're looking at bowl games, just talking about if we're going to win, we're favored in three of our last five games. So the numbers say, yes, we do go to a bowl game at this point. That would be bowl game eligibility. So then it's just looking at geographical stipulations here. Is South Carolina north? Is Myrtle Beach, South Carolina, south of Memphis? I believe that is south of Memphis. Feels like it'd be close. Myrtle Beach is almost Georgia. Isn't that, wait? Isn't that North Carolina? Hold on. There is. We always get into the geography. Four degrees north, and Memphis is thirty-five point one four nine five degrees north. So Memphis is uh, further north than. Gotcha. Bio Beach. Bio. Yeah, bio ways. Right. As the numbers increase, you're going away too much. Way too podcast. It does. That, that, I know. That one... That one is not a uh, Big 12 bowl game, but it's listed as pool, which means they could take a team from anywhere. So it's not highly likely that we end up there, but that's why I asked. Valid question. The only bowls I see north of Memphis is Boise, but that's a Mac versus Mountain West game. Detroit, but that's Big 10 versus Mac. And Annapolis, Maryland is ACC AAC. Boston is ACC, AAC. New York City is ACC Big Ten. That's it. So, single? I think it's a single, which is crazy. Sure. I would have preferred a double, but I'll take it. If there was, oh, if there was more if there was more opportunity to play in a ball game and be Memphis or North, you would have, but still yeah. just the one game. Sure. Yep. All righty. So... Because Arian had to, I obviously had to have two. Uh, so my first one, as the men's uh, preseason basketball poll came out uh, for the Big 12 this past week, uh, we'll do our Cyclone men's basketball preview a little bit later, as we are, I believe, only like three weeks away from college basketball kicking off. I am predicting that Iowa State men's basketball finishes top four in the league, four seed or better at the Big 12 championship. And with the new 14-team format, I believe that would get us probably a bye, uh, depending on how they set up the bracket. So, man, I, maybe not a bye. I don't know. I don't know how a, that seating would be. In in the preseason poll, we were picked to pick finish seventh out of 14. By the way, yes. Um, Sorry, I forgot to include that information. 
behind K-State, Baylor, Houston, Texas, KU, and one more team, TCU, I think. Yeah, so maybe I'm just like drinking the Kool-Aid on this team because I feel like we've been talking about how great the recruiting class is. We obviously did all right last season. I'm like, I thought this team was going to be good. Seven out of 14 is not what I was imagining in my head when I was thinking that. But that being said, top four is pretty high. I don't know. Between double and triple to me, I think. I don't know that it's... Yeah, because what I said to you guys too earlier this week, I basically was like, we know KU is going to be good, yeah. and we know Houston's probably going to be good. But other than that, like, who else is going to be good? Like, there's going to be a lot of good teams, but who's going to be, like, that top three team, which I didn't know. So there's going to be a lot of jostling for position, which is why I made this prediction. So Yeah, this division is going to be rough for basketball. And there's still rumors that we're adding Gonzaga, too, (laughs) which makes it even tougher. That's just masochism at this point or sadism. I don't know which one it is, but that's just wanting to be hurt by just the most aggressive interdivisional plays in college basketball. But it'd be fun to watch. That's for sure. I think I'm going to go, I'll go double because I am going to buy into the hype of this team. I was also thinking double. And I was hoping for a triple. I, I was feeling more triple on that one, but I'm, I'm overruled. Glad to know why it's still on my side. Only sometimes. I know. All right. So for my second prediction, Iowa State wins three in a row going into the Texas game. Uh, back to football here. I'd have to relook at the numbers there, but we are favored in all those games. I know that. Again, using FPI, right. presumably. Yes. Using FPI because that's what is available to us. Um, that's uh, why it scoffs. I haven't said it 70, in a long time. 72% chance times a 61% chance times a 62% chance. I am rounding, but whatever. Uh, that gives us about a 27.2304% chance. I mean, technically, as written, this prediction has a 0% chance of happening because there's no way we could win, have three in a row, considering we're okay. on a one game win streak and have three more games before Texas. But presuming what you actually want to predict is that we there. win the next three before yeah, Texas. More in a row. <laughs> Wins three in a row before the Texas game. The semantics are here. They're ready. Again, there's a 0% chance of that happening. That's true. Well, uh, are you saying they have a three-game win streak? What, what are you trying to say here? Can we just, like, spell out the games? So there you, think you we're go. We're going to beat Baylor, Please. KU, and BYU. Is that correct? I'm not spelling it out. Iowa State wins the next three games. Okay. For all That's those clear. stupid semantics out there. Clip that soundboard. We've argued about predictions like this so many times that I wanted to get it clarified. But nobody makes a prediction that you're winning three games in the same weekend. That's just utter stoop, like stoop. I don't know. It's just idiocracy. That, that's not the argument like, I'm making. Right. The argument is that we'd already won one game, so it'd be a four-game win streak if we won those three games, right? So then there's room on both on the side that we could lose a game and it would still be correct. So getting that correct, what you meant, yeah. makes a big like difference if, there. If they beat Baylor and and Kansas and lost to BYU, technically they had a three-game win streak before Texas. Yeah. But I didn't think that's what you were trying to predict. 
I was on your just side. Mike. Judge the prediction. Double. Triple. Uh, yeah, triple. Thank God. At least some sort of, yeah, some resemblance of there's hope left for I'm still, everybody. I'm still wary of this team, to be perfectly honest. I feel like that's fair. Also, do we need to put a rule in the bylaw to prevent Kyle from complaining about prediction results? We wouldn't have any content. <laughs> yeah, there's no content of the podcast. <laughs> what are you talking about? Uh, I jest. So with a single, a double, three triples, and two home runs, I think I counted that right. That concludes this week's episode. Actually, that concludes our Write That Down Prediction segment, which also concludes this week's episode. Thank you so much for dropping by this week's episode of the ABC 11 cast. Oh, we did hit the cycle? We did, yeah. Oh, goodness me. We did hit the cycle. How exciting. And with that, that concludes our Write That Down Prediction segment, which means we're at the end of the episode. Thank you so much for dropping by this week's episode of the ABC 11 cast, episode 243. From now until next week's episode, be sure to check in with our social media pages at 8311cast, wherever you find us. Signing off for the 8311cast, we have your hosts... Kyle Mersh. Mike Ludwig. Arian Barry. And Wyatt Teeter. We'll talk to you all again next week. Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones! Go Cyclones! <laughs>